Well, I want to add my welcome to Ron's welcome and just say happy Father's Day. Um, it's a great day to celebrate all of our fathers uh, and just the role that that men and fathers play um, in families, in the church, in the world is such a such a big thing. So I want to say happy Father's Day. And then also with that, you know, a day like today, uh, I'm not naive to think that, you know, there's a lot of us... Um, who've lost fathers. Uh, there's a lot of uh, kids who maybe have grown up with, uh, without a father. Um, maybe folks that had a father that really wasn't the example of Christ uh, that they should have been. And so I also know that this is a day that can also have some hurt and some pain and some heartache with it. So um, we love our fathers, but just to be sensitive to folks. So after service, shake a hand, give somebody a hug, encourage them in the Lord as maybe they're not coming from the same place that a lot of us are, um, that maybe have wonderful fathers who have exemplified Christ. But we're, we're excited for the dads today. And I'm going to speak to you directly uh, from the message of Ephesians as we're jumping back in here. Uh, we are, Shane and I are going to finish up. This will be five and six. Shane will finish next week, and then we'll jump back into our Bible survey as we continue to move through that as Ken teaches through that. So the summary of Ephesians, just as a reminder, chosen by God and having received grace and peace through Christ, we are to walk faithfully in Christ Jesus. So the first half is who we are in Christ, and the second half is how to live as the body in Christ. And as you remember, I talked about 4.1. It says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. That's what we're talking about, all these different ways that we walk. Walk in love, walk in holiness, walk in unity, walk in light. Today, we're going to talk about walk in wisdom. It's the final walk, and then Paul is actually going to flesh that out very practically in some different relationships. And so this is walking in which you have already been called. This is where God has already placed you in his family. If you are a believer, you are in Christ, and now we are just becoming who we are in him as we walk this out. And this was a little note. It says, the calling refers to the Holy Spirit's prompting that calls them to believe. The author is thus urging his readers to live a life that conforms to their saved status before God. If you know Christ you're already in him. And so you're becoming and living into and walking out your already saved status before Jesus. So we've already walked through four, uh, four of those, and we're going to hit the fifth one today. And it's about walking in wisdom. It's great. We just finished Proverbs, which is all about wisdom, godly wisdom. And so we're going to talk about that today as we walk through uh, this section of, of Ephesians. So read with me here. This is Ephesians 15 through 21. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. He's going to start making some contrasts here. So first he says, not as unwise, but as wise. And then the second one, he says, making the most of every opportunity. This reminds me of Colossians 4, where it says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. As we're sharing the gospel with the world, we are also to walk in wisdom. It says the same thing here, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And then it says, therefore, do not be foolish, 
but understand what the Lord's will is. So he's got another contrast. Not as unwise, but as wise. Not as foolish, but understanding what God's will is. Understanding the purpose that you play in the church, in the body, in the world as a believer. So you don't walk as unwise, but you walk with wisdom. It's not foolishness, but it's knowing I have a purpose in Christ and I know what that is. I understand that. And that is how I'm going to live as I walk in this wisdom. And then he has a third one here. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. So don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. As Paul's talking about this, probably using this because of the way that alcohol can control you, can alter uh, who you are, what you're doing, decisions you make. Because you, instead of being controlled by something like that, which leads to all kinds of sin, he says be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that at salvation, that happens. But he is saying, as an ongoing feeling of the Spirit. The Spirit is the agent. Christ is the content that we are filled with. But be filled with the Spirit. So he's got these, these three different examples of this contrast of what it looks like to walk in wisdom. Not as unwise, but wise. Not as foolish, but understanding the purpose that you have. And making the most of every opportunity. And then finally, don't be controlled by other things. Don't be controlled by things of the world, but yet be controlled by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And that's verse 18, and that is really important because that is going to play out through everything that we talk about today as we talk about walking in wisdom, especially as we get into these other relationships of how to walk in wisdom in these practical relationships is that being filled with the spirit, spirit living is how we can walk in wisdom. And then he goes on and he, he says four different things in this section of verses of how once you are filled with the spirit, as that leads to the fruit of the spirit and what that looks like as you walk in wisdom with one another, not only in the church, but outside of the church. Here's what he says. So it's four things, speaking, singing, giving thanks, and submitting. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So the way that we talk to one another, the way that we encourage one another is the first way he talks about being filled with the Spirit and walking in wisdom. Is how we speak to one another and the things that we say and the way that we lift one another up as we talked about all those other ways of building up the body. This is to build up the body, not to tear it down, but to build it up. And then secondly, he says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Singing songs of praise as we did this morning. My gosh, if that last song didn't get you moving, <laughs> I don't know what can. But being filled with the Spirit and singing and worshiping our God. Worshiping our Creator. Worshiping the one who gave everything for us. So speaking and encouraging one another, singing, worshiping. And then he says, always giving thanks. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to live 
in that manner. We need to walk in that manner as we're filled with the Spirit to continually give thanks about everything. So we're encouraging one another. We are worshiping the Lord. We are giving thanks to God for everything. You know, a lot of times we get lost in this this idea of thinking that we do a lot of things in our lives, that we cause a lot of things to happen. The truth is God is in control. God is in control and he is good. Even in the midst of hard things, God is in control and we need to thank him and give him thanks and praise for everything in the name of Christ. And then this last one he says is submitting or submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that is part of this idea of walking in wisdom when we are filled with the Spirit, when we're not controlled by other things, but when we are controlled by the Spirit, then we can submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Speaking to each other, worshiping God, giving thanks always, and then submitting out of reverence for Christ. Now, as I say that word, and as we continue to walk through these verses, I know this is something that is is kind of a hard thing to hear sometimes. But it's a key verse, verse 21. 18, being filled with the Spirit. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Those are two key verses that we have to understand and see as we walk through the rest of this. We've got to think about that. And the truth is, when Paul said this, as we're going to get into culturally what he was talking about in these sections, in these different relationships, this is revolutionary. Submitting to one another. That is revolutionary as we begin to talk about husbands and wives, children's and parents, slaves and masters. This is a revolutionary concept for the current day. And so we have to keep this in context. We have to understand what he was saying then to understand how does that relate to you and I today. So being filled with the Spirit and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's so important to understand this and understand that this was probably crazy for what they were hearing at that day. For the relationships that they had as Paul was saying that. So this idea of of walking in wisdom, as Ken talked about last week, skillful living. As we do that, we have to be filled with the Spirit. That's the only way we walk in wisdom. You know, you can have your own wisdom. You can kind of come up with some, do the right thing. This is, but we know that ultimately that will run out in and of yourself on your own power. But it truly takes the ability to be filled with the Spirit, to lean on your relationship with Christ as you walk in wisdom. Here's a quote from Harold Honer. It says, each Christian has all the Spirit. But the command here is that the Spirit have all of him. The wise walk then is one that is characterized by the Holy Spirit's control. So we have to understand that. That this is about being filled with the Spirit. 
when we walk in wisdom. And that is the only way that the rest of what we're going to talk about this morning makes sense. Walk in godly wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. So keep that. That is our frame for this morning. That's how we're going to set this up as we get into these household codes is what some people talk about. These family relationships, work relationships. So Paul's going to now begin to flesh this out in a way that makes sense to you and I and to the culture that he was living in. The first one is in marriage relationships. And before I even get into this, you know, these verses can sometimes be hard to deal with. And the truth is, taken out of context, like a lot of people do, um, they can be, they've been misused for centuries. They've been, uh, they've been used to create authority and power in a way that is unbiblical, uh, both inside the church and outside the church. And so I think it's really important that when we look at these scriptures today, we understand how God really intended for this to take place. Because instantly, I mean, I guarantee you all of us, we already have things running in our, in our minds. Because you're, you're thinking, yes, wives need to submit. You know, things are ha- or husbands, you don't respect. You know, there's all kinds of things that are already starting to flow, I guarantee you. If you've looked ahead and you see any of these verses. But I think it's important to know that we know that it's been misused, it's been abused. There's been atrocities for centuries. And there's things in every one of these sections that you go, if out of balance, if out of whack, if used selfishly, if used for your own gain, it's not biblical. It is not biblical. But what Paul is going to say If you really look at it, you read and you understand where he is coming from, then I think we're going to see a beautiful picture of what Christ meant of how the church needed to live. So first he jumps into these marriage relationships. And I'm putting verse 21 in there because it's so important to understand. And in fact, verse 22 didn't even have the word submit originally. It was wives yourselves to your own husbands because it was inferred Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the frame because we're filled with the Spirit. And it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. That's so important. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Here's the kicker. As Christ is the head of the church. Husbands or the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church, that's us, the body of believers, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, we know a lot of times that's the verse that gets played out. Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husband. That, and notice it says your own husbands. It doesn't say men. It says wives, submit to your own husbands. But that is the verse a lot of times is taken out of context, lifted up, entire theologies built around it in order to create authority and power that is just not biblical. And it gets abused. But I want you to see the weight of what Paul talks about, of who he talks about. 
Because for all the dads and the husbands in the room, it's going to be about us. That's who he's going to go to. As we are the head of the wives, but it's as Christ is the head of the church. Listen to what he says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Okay. Husbands, do we hear that? Do we see the weight that is coming and the amount of time he's going to spend the rest of these verses looking at the husbands? And once again, think about what I said. It's revolutionary that at this day and age, the way women were treated, the way kids were treated, the way the slaves were treated, this is revolutionary as Paul says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He's not dodging the fact that he's saying, wives, you need to be submissive to your husbands. But he's going to the husband, he's saying, you need to love them as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, the negative, but then positively with and no other blemish, but holy and blameless. So once again, this is revolutionary. As Christ is saying, submit to one another. And husbands, you need to love your wives like Christ loves the church. And this is this idea. This is not an idea of authority. This is Christ over the body of believers. Just as husbands are over their spouses, as their body. And we'll see that in a minute as it continues to talk about this. But think about what does it mean to love our wives as Christ loves the church? What did Christ do for the church? How did Christ respond to those of us believers who were sinners, who were unrighteous? What are the things that he did? He was loving He was gracious. He was sacrificial. He was serving. He displayed humility. He taught the truth. He was forgiving. Think about those things that Christ did for the church. Think about how Christ interacted with the woman caught in adultery. The grace, the forgiveness, but yet the truth. Go and sin no more. Think about how Christ dealt with the woman at the well. Think about what Christ did in the upper room when he got on his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples. Those who would betray him, those who would deny him. So when you think about what this is saying, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's what's going on here. This is what Paul is calling the husbands to do. This is what Paul is saying. He's not saying you need to have authority over your wife. You need to use this as a power structure. Is that what Christ did with the church? That's not what Christ did with us. In fact, you look at Philippians 2, what did Christ lowered himself through the incarnation, became a man, dealt with all the things we dealt with in order to go to the cross. 
If that's our example, husbands, if that's the example that Paul is setting forth, then how does that change how we treat the ones who are an extension of us as the church is an extension of Christ? And as we see in Genesis, our spouses are an extension of us. We are not the head as an authority. We are the head as of growth. He continues on. He says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ did the church. He keeps going back to this analogy. For we are members of his body. So how does Christ treat us? He wants us to grow. He wants us to flourish. He wants to see us succeed and be this beautiful expression of him on earth because we're creating his image. So husbands, what does that mean? For our wives, we're supposed to love them like our own bodies, which we don't abuse. We take care of it. We're concerned about it. We care for it. We nurture it. We want it to grow. We want it to develop. Husbands, is that the way we love our wives? Are we trying to hold this as an authority over them? Or are we going, no, I'm going to treat you like Christ did the church. I want you to grow. I want you to flourish under my leadership. I want you to grow and be everything that you can be as a person that I am leading and I'm caring for. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ did the church, for we are members of his body. And then it quotes Genesis. For this reason, man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must Respect her husband. Husbands, if we love our wives, like Paul is talking about, if we are sacrificial, if we are gracious, if we are leading them into truth, if we are forgiving, if that's what we're doing as we are loving our wives then of course they're going to respect us. Of course they're going to come underneath our leadership when we are leading them to Christ. I always say that when I counsel pre-marriage folks, when I marry them, that it is centered on Christ, that as the husband, you are to lead your wife to Jesus. And wives, that's something that you can follow. That's something that you can place yourselves under. That's something or someone that you can submit yourself to. Not in some sort of power, authority, hold it over, lord it over, but as someone who loves and cares for you and wants to see you grow and flourish. This is how God meant for this to be. This picture of a marriage so that we can grow And it's like Christ and the church. I love how he comes back to that again. He said, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Jesus Christ and his church. 
So let's not lose what Paul's teaching on this morning. Let's not lose what Ephesians is talking about. That it's about Jesus and his sacrificial love for you and I. And husbands, that's the example that is set before us. Now, I know that a lot of us may not be in those places. There's a lot of marriages that aren't there, a lot of things that are hard. But this is the example, this is the way Christ meant for it to be. This is the example, this is what he has put forth. And husbands, it starts with us. It doesn't start with our wives. It starts with us. How are we going to love? How are we going to lead? How are we going to care for and nurture those that God has given to us? And then we can know that wives will come underneath that and they will respect us when we're leading them to the foot of the cross. Godly wisdom leads us to love like Jesus and to live a life of humility and submission. And I encourage you, you know, if, you, if this is not a place where you're at, if this is a struggle, guys, you need to have men in your life who will challenge you to love like Jesus. And ladies, you need to have women in your life who will say, you need to love your husband. You need to respect your husband. If he's leading you to the foot of Jesus, you need to respect him. You need to place yourself under the his love, his care, and his concern, just as Christ did the church. So find those people in your life who will challenge and encourage you to grow into what God wants for you. And I realize that sin comes into that, and it's hard. It's not easy. I'm not saying this this morning as this is something that is easy. This is hard, and it takes work but it also takes being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in wisdom. The next one Paul goes to is this idea of children and parents. Much shorter section, but he still puts the weight on the father. Here's what he says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, Don't anger your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Notice that this is, God is in the center of this. When we are dealing with our children, God is in the center. And kids in the room, you need to obey your parents. They are trying to give you the opportunity to respond to the gospel and to know Jesus personally. But fathers, it's on us to bring them up as we train them how to do things, as we teach them the truth of what's going on. Once again, this is God is in the middle. Look what it says. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Bring them up in the Lord. Once again, this is a God in the center, just like husbands and wives. God in the center. Bring them up in the Lord so that they will live a long life. So this is how you walk in wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
gosh, and my boys will be here second service. You want some stories about how not to walk in wisdom, pull them aside. They, they remember all of those times. You know, they can't, they can't remember the other things, but my gosh, there were a lot of stories of me being an idiot and uh, doing things that I thought, hey, this is a great parenting thing. And Heather's just going, no, that's not. And then it would blow up my face. And I was like, okay, yeah, that was, not, that was not wise. But when you love your kids, when you bring them up in the Lord, when you instruct them, when you train them, it's not a guarantee. It is not a guarantee. And moms and dads hear this. It is not a guarantee. Kids, when they're grown, will make their own decisions. And that is not a reflection of you. You can train them, you can instruct them, but they will become their own people. They'll make their own decisions. But gosh, this is what we want. This is a picture of walking in wisdom is to teach our kids to love Jesus. And if we're bringing them up in that way and letting them respond to us and obey us as we lead them to the foot of the cross. So fathers, it's still, that starts with you and I on how we do that. Godly wisdom gives you the ability to raise your children to be like Christ. This last section, work relationships. In your Bibles, it's going to say bond servants and masters or slaves and masters, which is a hard word to say. It's a hard word to, uh, to deal with because, once again, as I started this, of the atrocities that have happened in our country because people took these verses out of context. Because in Paul's day, the bond servants and the masters had a different relationship. Their relationship was much different. Now, they were still held with someone without pay. So that's still very real. That's why they call them slaves or bond servants. But it definitely was not what we know of as American slavery. That is another example of people both in the church and outside the church of perverting and distorting these verses for their own gain. But listen to what Paul says. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. So listen to this. Just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win the favor of when their eyes on you, don't be a people pleaser, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as you are serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So look at the attitude that he's talking to these slaves. Once again, don't forget what we talked about. This is revolutionary. Slaves were not treated well in Paul's day. So this is revolutionary that he would even be telling their masters, those in authority over them, what he tells them at the end of this. And he's also talking to the slaves, people who held no value. He is actually talking directly to them, saying, obey them with respect and fear, with sincerity of heart, to win their favor. So not just when they're looking at you, but all the time. Serve as you're a slave of Christ. Paul called himself that. And serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving the Lord, not people. 
So he gives them this attitude of going, this is how you need to approach the person in authority over you. But look what he says to the masters. And masters, treat your slaves the same way. Once again, revolutionary. Treat your slaves the same way. Treat them with respect. Have integrity with them. Deal with them sincerely, just as you obey Christ. I mean, this is, this is a whole new teaching that Paul was doing here. And I know for you and I, we look at this and we go, what? This doesn't really make sense with what we're doing, but I think it does. It's about those who have authority over someone else who is subordinate. A lot of us in this room are bosses. A lot of us have bosses. And I think this is how this applies to you and I. That it's one of those things where he's going, how do you, how do you treat people that you have authority over? Once again, this is perverted in our day and age. Is it not? How often do we take our authority, even in the workplace, and we lord it over people? And we have power over them. And we use that to be selfish. Or if, as someone who has someone over you in authority, you talk about them when they're not in the room, when they're not looking, you're not working hard. You're leaning up against the wall. I mean, all of this plays out in our relationships. Do you work hard all the time, even when people aren't looking? Do you respect your boss, even if maybe you disagree with the way he does things or she does things? What does that look like? And once again, he puts the weight on the one in authority. Treat them the same way. Because he says, God doesn't show favoritism. And you know that God is the God of both of you, the subordinate and the one with authority. So how do you do that? How are you doing at that? Are you walking in wisdom in these areas of your life? Are you loving those who you have authority over if you're a boss and being fair with people and allowing them the ability to grow and to be trained and to make a living for themselves? What does that look like? So I challenge you, if you're a boss, think about that in that context. If you're, if you're an employee and you work for someone, think about, do you treat them with respect? And do you have integrity in your life and work hard all the time? Godly wisdom allows you to serve and show kindness like Jesus Christ. I hope you're picking up on everything we've talked about this morning. The fact that it can't be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fact that it it is something that only we can do in Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to Christ, we can walk in wisdom in every relationship for the sake of God's people for the sake of the body, for the sake of those outside in the world. The marriage relationship is the greatest picture of the gospel that God has given us because it's a picture of Christ and the church. So if you're married, think about that. Your marriage is an expression of the gospel. 
Do you use your marriage as a witness? Husbands of how you love your wife and wives as you respect him. And there's this grace and this humility and this forgiveness that goes on that is a picture of the gospel. Do you do that in your parenting relationships as you bring your kids up? Do we do that in our work relationships to where it's always a witness of the God who loves us and who cares for us? These can be really hard, controversial scriptures sometimes. But I think the way that Paul describes it, the way all the people who have interpreted this through the years that you trust, that we read, I think we see that it is, it is very different from what the world takes out of this and how the world abuses it and perverts it and uses it for their own gain. But I think it's a beautiful expression of Christ and the church when we really look at what it says. Look at the next steps. There's just one next step on the bulletin. It says, which part of today's message or passage will you take with you this week asking God to transform you for his glory? How will you allow this, whether it's in a marriage relationship, a parenting relationship, a work, how will you allow him to transform you at your core so that we can be an expression of our God? So that we can be a witness to a world that gets this totally backwards. So we can love one another and we can walk in wisdom as we submit one to another in reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word, Lord, the, as it teaches truth. Father, I pray that it would, it would sink in, Lord, that as we continue to worship, as we continue to celebrate who you are in our lives, Lord, that the word that you've given us would change us, Father would change us from the inside out. Father, you are good, you are kind, and you are loving. Father, I pray that you would continue to help us grow and change in our relationships, not only with you, but our relationships with others as we walk in wisdom. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.